Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Siobhan Parkinson, a professional writer and editor who's particularly well-known for her books for young people. She's written over 30 books in English and Irish, has won a range of local and international awards and, most notably, she was also Ireland's first ever laureate for children's literature. She's been writer-in-residence at many institutions and organisations, including Dublin City and the Irish Writers' Centre, and has also taught creative writing over the years. Siobhan studied English literature and German at Trinity College in Dublin and went on to achieve a PhD on the poetry of Dylan Thomas. Her latest book is called All Shining in the spring the story of a baby who died and Siobhan let's start with your new book because as it turns out it's not really new it's actually the book that started off your entire career 30 years ago and you've now published a new edition of it going back first of all why did you write it initially well it's a book about stillbirth and it's for small children and I wrote it because I had the experience myself and when I went looking for a book to explain this to my own child, who was who was uh, my older child, I mean, who was five going on six at the time. Um, there was nothing available. And I was really I was really shocked to find there's nothing available. I was used to, you know, I'm a bookish kind of person. So I was used to uh, the idea of reaching for a book for everything, no matter what, that there'd be a book. This is long before the Internet now, mm-hmm. of course. Um, so I went looking for a book and I couldn't find anything. I could find books about death for children, but they were maybe about hamsters dying or dogs dying or uh, the, uh, higher up the scale, I suppose. They might be about grandparents dying. And of course, these are most children's first experience of death. And so it's a very gentle way uh, to, to, bring, you know, to, to bring children to this very tricky uh, topic. But of course, that was no good to me because what I had to deal with was something much more difficult for a child to come to terms with. Um, so I thought, right, well, if there's no book, I'm going to have to write it because there needs to be a book. And that's that's why I did it. I wrote it because I felt there was a need for it. And, you know, as you said, to find a way to help children to grieve. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So this book, it's it's a book that is intended for children ultimately, but it's really meant to be read by an adult to a child or with a mm. child. Uh, and it's a way, it's, it helps adults, you know, something it helps adults as much as it helps children mm. because it gives the adult something to bring to the conversation, yeah. a way to open up the conversation. Um, I was, you know, I, 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 people contact me because they've heard of my, my experience over the, over many years. And one of the things they say to me is, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to open up the conversation. So this helps this gives adults um, a, almost like a, a tool, um, a prop that allows them to bring the topic up. Now, every every it, this is about a stillbirth, mm-hmm. but it can be used for a child where there's been a miscarriage in the family or where there's been um, maybe a baby who died shortly after birth or uh, maybe in the first months and years of life. So it, it does have wide application, but it is specifically about, about stillbirth. So it's a book that Adults may need to adapt in, in some ways if they're dealing with with slightly different situations. But it means that there is something out there that adults can get hold of and that they can use to open up that 
As you say, it is hard to open up that conversation, but with adults and children going to bed at the moment, generally there is a story before bed. So they're, they're used to that process or a story yeah. during the day, let's say. So to be able to just, you know, if they're finding it hard, they can just pick up the book and start going through it. And obviously the questions will start from there. You yeah, know? that's right. The question will start then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's the amazing thing really for me is that it hasn't been done since. Mm-hmm. That really amazes me. It's 30 years ago. And now the, the book wasn't published immediately. It was published about 25 years ago, 26 years ago, say. Um, but there hasn't been another one in the meantime. As far as I know, I mean, there could be. I haven't trawled the libraries of the world, but um, I haven't heard of, 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 of another book of this type. So even though Ireland has changed a lot in those 30 years, this was 1991, um, Ireland has changed a whole lot and people are much more open about a lot of things. But this is still a very difficult and painful subject. And I think part of the problem for parents is that they are they're trying to protect their children mm-hmm. and they're afraid to open up this conversation with children because they they don't want their child to be frightened because it's not just that they're sad. Of course, a child could be frightened by this idea because you, when you're explaining death and you're saying, um, well, old people get just, they get worn out, they get tired and they die, their life is over. That's, that's one thing, you know, you can say that to a child and it makes sense. But if you say to them, well, actually, you know, some, sometimes a child can die too. That's a very frightening prospect for a child. So I can see why adults are so reluctant to broach the topic. But if it comes into your family and into your home, um, you have to deal with it then. And you need something to help you to deal with it. So that's and, and at the time you said, you, you know, you sort of wrote it for your, your other son so you could explain it to him. And how did he react to it at, the, at that time? Did, do you feel as a family it really helped you? It did, yeah. Now, by the time the book was written, he already knew because, I mean, I didn't write, didn't wait wait to write the book before I told him. Um, so the, sto- the story in the book is really the story of the family and the story of how he, you know, came to understand it. Uh, but it did help him and it helped him over the years. And in fact, that little boy is now, of course, grown up mm-hmm. and he is publisher at Little Island Books now, which is a fun, uh, publishing company that I founded about 10, 11 years ago now. And I'm, as I say to people, I'm trying to retire. I am kind of <laughs> gradually retiring from Little Island now. And he's taken over as publisher. And one of the first things he said when we were discussing the idea that he would take over as publisher, he said, one of the things I'd like to do is republish that book. Oh, really? because it meant so much to him and it was so important for him. And he knew that it was still a book that, you know, was needed by by other families. So there's something, there's a lovely kind of circularity about that, you know, a a kind of a, you know, what goes around comes around sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, so it was his idea that we should go ahead with it and uh, and republish it because it's been out of me, it's been out of press, it's been out of print for quite a long time now and people were, asking me over the years and looking for it. So uh, I knew there was a demand for it. And you've kept the wonderful illustrations as well by Donald Teske. Oh, yes, and Orion Press, it was Orion Press who originally published this book back in the 90s. And I'm very grateful to them that they did do it because it was a very brave thing to do at the time. And uh, Michael O'Brien commissioned Donald Teske to do the illustrations. And this was before Donald Teske was a big name in Irish art. At least I don't think he was such a big name in Irish art then. Um, and... They very gen- when I told Brian I was going to republish it because the rights had reverted to me, mm-hmm. the rights in the text, they very generously allowed me to reuse Donald's really very charming uh, illustrations. And you say as well that writing the book initially, that's what actually set you on the road to writing and publishing in general because it helped you find your voice as a children's author. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose I was one of those bookish people. And I always thought, yeah, someday I'll write a book, you know, but I never really 
got around to it or settled down to it or had the courage to do it because it's quite a, an exposing thing to do to write a book. Um, so uh, it was always something I was going to do one day, but it never occurred to me that it would be a children's book. But then the, you know, the necessity arose. So I did write the book and I took it to O'Brien and they said to me, you know something, you're a children's author. Really? And I said, nah, nah, I'm not. No, no, I just... I'm a mother with a child. I'm not a children's author. No, I'm just, uh, this is a, this is a particular anomaly of a book. And I said, no, it's not your children's author. And they persuaded me. Well, they were the pub, they were the publishers, they were the professionals. So I said, okay, I'll have a go. So I wrote, uh, they asked me to write, uh, come up with a few suggestions. So I wrote a few uh, books for young children. And then they brought me in again and they said, we think you, there's a, there's an older children's writer in there trying mm. to get out. So I then uh, started writing also for older children and then I eventually went on to write for young teenagers, too. And after I published a few books, I went back to them and I said, what about that? What about my real book? What about All Shining in the Spring? And <laughs> they had been they thought it was lovely, but they thought it was going to be a tricky one to publish. Um, and they're right. It is tricky. Um, but they after I had, you know, I suppose become established as a, as a children's writer and I had, a, you know, some recognition, uh, they said, yes let's publish it. So they went for it and they were, they really went for it in a, in a, you know, in a big way, asking Donald to do the illustrations. And it was a, it was a great gesture on their part. And in terms of your range of books for kids, and as you say, lots of different ages and all the rest, I mean, how do you, how do you keep them fresh? Do you get feedback from, from all these young people or, or how do you, how do you approach that? I do meet children from time to time. God, I can't even remember now because since this COVID, COVID. <laughs> I don't know how long. Um, I would visit schools, not not frequently, not all the time, but I, you know, maybe a couple of times a year, I'd be in a school, be invited in, or I'd be doing some kind of workshop with kids or whatever. And it does, it brings you a certain kind of joy doing that. I'm not sure how directly it feeds into my writing. Maybe it does in ways that I'm not I'm not aware of, but I don't. I don't sort of sit there with a notebook and say, oh, there's a there's a thing I must put in the book. That doesn't usually happen. Mm. Um, but there is a sort of a there's kind of a value in that connection mm-hmm. um, and connection to your readers. And it, I think it's probably more subconscious. Yeah, because you have a range of, you know, you deal with contemporary stories, um, but also, mm. you know, you've got a story set in the Liberties in 1930s Dublin. You've got, yeah. uh, you know, 1914 and a Quaker family, interestingly, based in Dublin. Yeah. So there's lots of yeah. lots of topics there. Yeah, interesting yeah. I, and I'm not the kind of writer who would ever write a series because I get bored after I've written the first book. <laughs> I don't right. want to write anymore. I, for me, the really interesting thing about writing a book is developing the character, getting to know the character putting the character into a certain situation, working out how they react in that situation and how they react with their family, with their society, with what's going on in their world. And then when I get to the end of it, then I feel that's done. And um, I, I just wouldn't, I don't know that I wouldn't have the stamina. It's more that I wouldn't have the interest um, in doing a book, books that are you know following through. I once did a, um, a sequel to a book was the Amelia was the book, the, the one you mentioned, the 1914 book in the Quaker family. And there was that did quite well. And there was a bit of a demand for a sequel. So I did write the sequel and I said, I'll never do it again. Right. Lesson I, learned. It doesn't have the same. Yeah, it doesn't have the same interest for me when I already knew the character. And uh, you obviously then you moved on and you wrote a couple of books for adults as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at what point did you decide you really wanted to try that? I don't really remember. Um I suppose I was always writing 
bits and pieces of various things and something would, you know, you'd be working on something and say, oh yeah, this is going to be an adult book. I don't, this sounds really unbelievable, I would think, to somebody who, who doesn't, who isn't me. <laughs> uh, but I don't really have a very strong sense of my audience when I'm writing. Right. And uh, even though I know at some level that I'm writing for children, and I'm writing a particular story, or that I'm writing for adults and I'm writing a particular story, I'm not thinking this is a children's book, therefore I have to do it this way. Uh, this is an adult book, therefore I have to do it that way. I don't actually think like that. I just, there are certain technical problems that you have to solve when you're writing a book. And there are certain uh, ideas that you want to explore. I don't even have the ideas that I want to explore before I start. It's as I write, the ideas come up and then I I follow them. Um, So I'm not terribly aware of thinking about who's going to be the be the reader. That sounds really stupid, but that is that is actually the truth of it. Not at all. We've had so many different authors on Inside Books and they all approach it in, in different ways and ways, yeah. ways that work yeah. for them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sort of ways, yeah. And you went on then, you know, you've, you've done a number of books, as we said, over the years, but you then founded Little Island Books, um, yeah. a publishing house for, for children and teenagers in 2010. So what encouraged you to make that leap? Well, this was a, this was everything I've done in my life has been an accident. Oh. I mean, I wrote this book <laughs> not by accident. I all shining this spring. I wrote it for a particular purpose, and then it, I, I kind of that then accidentally led to my becoming a children's writer. And various things happened accidentally as I went along. Something happened, and one thing led to another. And I went down a few rabbit holes and found interesting things down those rabbit holes. Sometimes, other times, not so interesting things down those rabbit holes. Um, what happened with? <laughs> uh, with Little Island was I was I studied German as you mentioned at the beginning of the program and I've always had an interest in in the German language and I've kept it up up to a point and I thought wouldn't it be interesting to do some translations uh, so I thought well, how about translating children's books so this was, I was mulling this over and I uh, went to talk to Edwin Hegel who uh, founded and for many many years uh, ran New Island Books and Edwin actually taught me in Trinity. He's German himself, but living was living in Ireland at the time, and had been living in Ireland for lived in Ireland for a very long time. And um, I suggested to him that uh, I might translate some children's books, and would he consider publishing them? And he thought this was a great idea. Um, really liked it. And then he said, "But of course, you can't just publish children's books in translation. You actually have to have a children's list, mm-hmm. and then this would be part of the children's list." And I said, "Well, of course you would." just hadn't struck me because I wasn't thinking pub- in publishing terms. I was just thinking about doing it. And I said, yeah, of course you're right. Yeah, of course you need to have a children's list. Yeah. Mm, okay. And then he said, well, but we can do that. And I said, oh, can we? Yeah. He said, yeah, yeah. So I went in to talk to him about translating books from German and I came out ed- as editor of a children's list for New Island books. There you go. So, it start- so that's how Little Island started. It started with, uh, it started as a kind of a an offshoot, I suppose, of, of New Island. And then various things happened and New Island was struggling a bit and they were going to close down the children's list. So I said, no, we can't let that happen. And so I got, so a group of friends of mine who uh, were involved, who had been involved with New Island from the beginning, uh, we got together and we pooled our few quid and we set Little Island up, kind of thinking this is a mad thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a mad thing to be doing, but it's still here. It's still Absolutely. sailing. Uh, yeah, eleven years later. Totally, and you've got some you've some fantastic authors as well that you're publishing. Yes, and initially, I suppose we were thinking, um, let's find new Irish authors for children. We knew there were lots of people in Ireland writing for children, and a lot of them were being published in the UK. 
Um, but a lot of people were finding it difficult to get their initially to get their first book published. Um, and it's hard to get taken on by a big uh, publisher in the UK unless you already have some kind of a reputation. Um, so we could see that there was there was room for a kind of a nursery um, publishing house. Uh, so that's how we started doing that. We started encouraging new writers for children in Ireland. And some of them did go on to be published also in the UK, but very many of them have also stayed with us as well. And some sometimes published books are, sorry, sometimes authors are published by us and then also in the UK. Sometimes authors stay with us altogether. Um, so that's, it grew from there and um, but we always had the translation thing going as well so um we've 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 had most years we've had uh, maybe two books on our list in translation um in the last year i think we didn't have any but sometimes we'd have a blank you know we'd have a follow year and then we'd have two or three the following year so uh we've and we've looked at all kinds of different books to be translated we started off with uh translating novels from German, which is where my initial interest was. But we've also we've also published from Swedish, from Portuguese, um, and then we've published uh, picture books from French, um, from German also. So we've we've spread our spread our wings of the translation as well. The translation is difficult. I can only imagine. Absolutely. And if you do the German side, then do you have other people for the other languages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you once you find a book that you want to, to publish, you then have to go and find the translator for it. Yeah, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of submissions then that you get, obviously, for, for the children's books, do you get a lot on, on an annual basis? We do. We do. We get huge numbers, huge numbers. Uh, at the moment, we actually had to close uh, our submissions ju- temporarily because we had so many books that we wanted to publish. And with so many books that were constantly being submitted, we, we were spending more time on saying no thank you to the ones that we couldn't take on than we were actually spent well, that, I'm exaggerating, but there was the mm. danger of it getting to the point where we were spending more time saying no thank you and explaining why, um, rather than actually spending the time on publishing the books that we were going to publish. So we had to close for a, uh, for a while. We will be opening again soon, I think, but we have, we're, we're oversubscribed really uh, with books. Um, we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of submissions every year. Um, about 1% of those would be published. Really? Yeah. Um, that's partly because only 1%, no, I wouldn't say it's not, it's not true to say that only 1% is publishable, but we also have other sources for where our books come from. So, so we have authors that we already have on our books and they have a new book, so that wouldn't go through the normal submissions process. Then we might have um, uh, books that come, come, in, come into us in different ways. Um, so we'd, you know, or, or we might commission a book, we might say there's a book, we, we need to have a book on X or Y or Z. So there, there would already any the slots for the books would already be taken up before we start looking for, for books from the submissions pile. Uh, so it is very, very tricky to get a book published. Um, and it's very, you know, it's a it's it's a, it's really quite a long shot if you send, send your, your book in. But we have found books that way. And that's really so exciting when you find a book uh, in the in the pile. Get. And in terms of the people that you're saying no to, um, I, I, I'm just trying to figure out how hard is it to do that, and do you give them feedback? It's very difficult to do it. Um, I will give feedback to somebody that I think really will develop as an author, maybe with a different publisher, maybe needs to be doing something different. I will give them some feedback, but I can't give feedback to 400 people a year. You of know, course. I wouldn't be doing anything else. So. 
most of the time I just say it's not for us or something, you know, something quite bland like that. Um, sometimes I will give even quite extensive feedback to a book I'm turning down because I think that there's potential there. Um, and of course, if I think there's a, it's, it's a book that we might eventually take on, that would be different. That I wouldn't even you know call that feedback. I call that working with the author. I call that manuscript development. Um, but a lot of the time I have to say no. Sometimes I explain myself because there may be something uh, that's not hasn't got to do with them. It may be that we ha already have a book about, I don't know, dragons or a book about robins or whatever it might happen to be and i'd say no we can't publish this book because we already have one and we can't you know we can't have our books competing with each other so sometimes there's a there's a very logical reason that has nothing to do with them and in that case i will always tell them but that's the reason it's not them it's the it's adults it's the list um but i would never use the list as an excuse when it isn't that you know mm -hmm. it, that isn't the real reason it's just that it's not right um and it's hard to say that to somebody that their book isn't working and sometimes I always say, or I usually say, um, look, it's a matter of taste as well. You know, this is not a book that I would want to publish, but there could well be a publisher out there for you and for your book. And so I do try to be as encouraging as I can to people, unless I really think that they're not going to get anywhere. And is that because you're also a writer? So you yeah. know what it's like on the other I side. I know exactly what it's like. Yeah, yeah. 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 In fact, I probably spend too much time on, 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 on writing back to people, but because I, yeah, I do have that empathy. I know what it's like to be. To be and, and balancing that, you know, being a publisher, uh, you know, and being an editor and also being a writer, is it, do you struggle at times or is it, you know, you put, no, you not put your different really. hats on? I really think they're just different aspects of the same thing. You know, they're all, they're all me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're just different expressions of m my literary self. Let's put it like that. Um, yeah, it's like I always say that reading and writing are terribly closely related and that, you know, sometimes people think that writers are somehow very special and they're not. They just have a particular skill in a particular area. Uh, readers are also very specialist. Readers are also very gifted because a lot of um, what goes, a lot of the creativity that goes on in a book is done by the, by the reader. The writer has to provide the, you know, the material, obviously, and has to, write the sentences, but then the reader has to pick it up and they have to process it and they have to imagine it in their own heads. And that's also a creative process. So I see those two things as being very closely related. And I don't like this kind of false dichotomy between the reader and the writer and putting the writer in a, in a special category. Although at the same time, I do, I mean, I do recognize, of course, that writing and writing well is a, is a particular skill. So it's the same then, I suppose, when it comes to editing or publishing uh, or writing or translating. I see those all as just different aspects of the same thing. And at the same time then, you set up Little Island, you were also made Ireland's first ever laureate for children's literature. And that was from 2010 to 2012. That must have been an amazing experience. It was fabulous. And especially to be the first was very special to have been uh, chosen. It was really a real accolade. Um, so it was, it was wonderful. Now it's quite a long time ago and I, my, my memories of it are, I know I was desperately busy and I was flying all over the place and I was, my head was everywhere, but I had a fabulous time. I really, really enjoyed it. And the nice thing about it the way the way it's run in this country um i'm sure it's developed since my time because as i say i was the first and everybody who came along after me everybody sort of added something into the pot and um i know that cbi children's books ireland who who run it and look after it uh and manage it um it's developing as we go along but 
I think this it's, it's probably still true to say that Children's Books Ireland is committed to giving each laureate their own space to do things their way. Um, I think in other jurisdictions, it's not always like that, that it becomes very commercial and um, there's a lot of pressure on the laureate to do certain things and laureates are kind of driven almost into the ground. Um, whereas here, I think there's much more room for the laureate to be themselves and to um, develop their own projects and uh, find their own way of being laureate. And that's what you did. And then you were followed by the likes of Neve Sharkey, PJ Lynch, Sarah Crossan, Owen Colfer, and then the current is uh, Anya McGlynn. So it's it's fantastic to just see that it is still yeah. continuing and is still supported. Yeah, and that's a great range. Yeah, we, have, we have so much talent in this country. I mean, I know it's a cliche to say it, but it's absolutely true. There's an amazing amount of talent in this country. And there's, an, there's a very, very vibrant children's literature community. People interested in children's books are, you know, they're coming out of the woodwork. Um, and there's a lot going on. Uh, when I started in children's books, it was uh, there was a very small group of kind of core of people who were interested in it, um, and there was no children's literature wasn't studied. It wasn't considered um, a subject worthy of the uh, of academia. Mm. Uh, but that's all changed uh, in the years since then. We now have it on there are there are a couple of masters courses in children's literature. There's one in Trinity, for example. There's one in DCU. Um, there are uh, modules in children's literature in um, in primary degree courses. In fact, in some cases, I think it's even um, mandatory. You have to do children's literature as part of your as part of your degree in English. So it has its status has risen and its prestige uh, of it has risen. It has become something that's considered now worthy of um, of study, and that's really very gratifying. Uh, because for a long time I was shouting about how it was uh, uh, such a Cinderella subject and really it has that has developed. Are you doing much writing now? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Um, yeah, I uh, I was commissioned to write a book about uh, a growing way in Irish uh, a few years ago now. And I did that. It was to be an, it was to be a novel, not to be a historical document. To, you know, to take the history into account, but it was to be a novel um, and to be written from Grunda's point of view. So that was published in 2019. And I am working now on an English version, not a translation, not a direct translation at all, but on an English version of that. So it's 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 it's, it's, it's expanded because, of course, I'm more fluent in English than I am in Irish. Um, so I have more room to develop it in my in my own head. But I loved doing the Irish version. I found it really, really really hard because I'm not a historian and I'm not a native speaker of Irish. So I was constantly having to look up everything both in language <laughs> and in history. So it was really uh, quite a, a taxing thing, but I really enjoyed doing it. And now I'm, I'm loving having the um, kind of the liberation of being able to deal with the same material in an, in an easier way because I'm working in, in English. And interestingly, we've had Dirani Griefa on Inside Books and she has written her poems in Irish yeah. and in English yeah. and just the way yeah. she describes trying to go from one to the other, she just yeah. she called it excruciating, I think, at one point, you know, and yeah. it can be very, yeah. very difficult. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's a completely different way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But of course, I think in English. I mean, I'm not a, a native speaker, <laughs> Dirani Griefa, but um, uh so for me, it wouldn't be as excruciating, but I would hate uh, my Irish to come across as translated. And it isn't really. I, once I start 
you know, maybe the first couple of sentences that I write, I might have started thinking in English, but by the time you get to the end of the paragraph, you're back to thinking in Irish again, and then you can go back and you can revise the early sentences in the paragraph and you get into the flow of it. But it is very different. Yeah. And before we let you go, then what can we expect from Little Island over the next while? Oh, goodness. Um, Well, we have a wonderful new novel coming out any day now. Well, not any day now, but quite soon, called Wolf's Tongue from Sam Thompson, who is a a Belfast based writer who has published a couple of books for adults. He's a fabulous writer. And this is his first children's novel. And it is really quite something because it's so it's such a special especially literary piece of children's fiction. We went all out and we produced it very beautifully. It's illustrated and it's got flaps and it's a very beautiful book to look at as well as a very beautiful piece of literature. So that's that is our biggie, I think, over the next few months. Well, we look forward to to seeing that. Siobhan Parkinson, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. And you'll find all of Siobhan's books online or at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books I-R-E. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on our various audio platforms. And don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.